Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today, we're talking about situational mindsets, targeting what matters when it matters. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help the quality, we help to elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. Our work includes assisting leaders in identifying disruptive trends and developing strategies to transform themselves and their organizations to thrive now and in the future. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I am also a fellow of the International Leadership Association. I'm delighted that today our guest is Mary Lippitt. Mary is an award-winning author, consultant, and speaker. She founded the Enterprise Management Limited Company. It's an international firm helping leaders deliver results for over 30 years. She's a leader in the field of mental agility and organizational success. Dr. Lippitt has worked with leaders around the world. She teaches in an MBA program at the University of Florida, where she also conducts research. Her new book, Situational Mindsets, Targeting What Matters, When It Matters, was published last year with a foreword from David Covey. So today we're going to talk about developing leaders must be balanced between the internal aspect of improving style and skill sets and the external ability to read the environment and set smart priorities. Our changing environment requires constant monitoring, analysis, and adaptation. So welcome, Mary. Do you want to tell us anything more about yourself or your book before we jump in to defining situational mindsets? I just would encourage people to start thinking about the fact that our leadership has been mostly focused internally on our style traits or competencies. And in a dynamic world, we really need to take a look at the environment we're in, which we have really not helped leaders develop that skill. Thank you. And as we are all, I I know we're recording this before it airs, but in the wake of the COVID-19 virus, it certainly is an invitation to reconsider what efficiency means. I think efficiency has become the mantra for way too long. And so we have, under the stress, kept doing what we've always done. And again, our leadership models have been more focused on consistent behavior. um, And that's terrific. And we still need it immensely. But we also need to have a mindset that adjusts and reads the environment so we can make the changes. So that, as you were suggesting, having a thriving future. Beautiful. And, and you and I both have, we use similar language around situational analysis and situational mindsets. So will you define for our listeners what does a situational mindset mean? And then why is it so critical today? A mindset is a lens that we use to collect information. And what happens historically has been with expertise or tenure, we tend to narrow our lens and keep looking at the same sources of data and not looking at a comprehensive analysis of the changing dynamics we face. So a mindset is basically one of six lenses that takes a look at the organization. Um, so it's business acumen, but it's not just a P&L approach. It is trying to read the environment and see what really has to be happening first. And so I can assume from what you just said, why is it so critical? But can you give, uh, can you verify that my assumptions are accurate? Why do we care now about situational mindsets? 
Well, I think the COVID-19 situation has shown us that what we were focusing on, let's just say in December of 2019, is not what we're focusing on in March and April of 2020. We've had to make some new changes. But in addition, it's not just taking a look at the virus and the medical aspects. We have to do a comprehensive scan. We have to think about school kids. Well, we, we could close schools, but have we thought about the question of, you know, where are they going to get their food? Do they have internet access? Do they have a computer? We, we, the decisions we make now have such broad ramifications that we have to make sure we do a comprehensive analysis of not just the first order results, but the second and third order implications and ramifications of our decision making. So this is really a different, um, a different perspective. Um, to me, it adds to our traditional approaches to leadership. But what we're talking about is an ability to think critically and use the discipline of critical thinking before we jump into doing things the way we've always done them. So this sounds a bit like uh, what we talked about at, at one point, the, the Peter Senge um, systems thinking, that I look at a systems map or Heifetz uh, look at things from the balcony and, and work on as well as in the business so that I'm, I am considering the broader perspective and, the, as you said, second and third order impacts, not just the first order. Correct. I think the difference is that when we talk about systems thinking and we ask people, and I think a lot of CEOs have asked people to be strategic thinkers or creative Mm -hmm. thinkers or whatever else. And it's a wonderful request, but the question is how we do it. And so what the situational mindsets do is they identify six areas to collect information. The first area is what new products and services do we offer? What are new synergies? So that's one area, creativity in this broadest breakthrough sense. The second area is what about our customers, our competitors, our market position, our new niches? So again, a lot around the customer focus. The third mindset takes a look at the organization. How are we structured? What are our policies? What is our communication? What kind of robust systems do we have? So it's a macro look at the organization. The fourth one is at the micro look at the organization. This is the process improvement, quality improvement. This is uh, the return on investment, the cycle time kind of issues. The fifth one says collect information about people, the culture, the teaming, the engagement, the retention, a lot of a lot of the human resources aspects. And the sixth mindset is let's examine the issues around. Uh, learning from best practices, checking assumptions, what new business models are there, what are the trends indicating for the future, a very more future-oriented perspective. So just instead of saying do systems thinking, we're saying here's six areas and we have questions for you to collect information under each when you're facing ambiguous, complex, uh, difficult decision. You know, if we're doing the same thing we've done before, sure, we don't need this. But we're facing a lot more challenging situations than we did 10 years ago. I love the framework. We, we use more of a quadrant, so four rather than six. And I like the granularity of what, what you're talking about here because it really does get to, not that we use it like a checklist when we're talking about mindsets, but that it does give us at least uh, have I tended to the culture? Have I tended to my customers, my people? Um, how do I make my money? Uh, am I producing a quality product? And and thinking through the implications of how how will any one decision impact broader organizational uh, performance? Yes, yes. And what's interesting to me is that when we take a look whatever the dashboard is that we have or whatever the, the, the scorecard we use, we have to make sure that we have metrics in each one of these six areas or it will be overlooked. I mean, there, there's there, people do what people pay attention to. So if you're only paying attention to customer service, I'm going to focus on that and maybe mm-hmm. other things will fall through the wayside. And so we really have to make sure that when we look at establishing uh, our, our 
our goals. We have metrics that monitor all the things because, as as we we know, you know, two months ago, no one cared about uh, social distancing, uh, <laughs> but it popped up pretty fast. And and we have to keep monitoring all six areas, and we can't say, hey, we found a good area we're going to focus on, and we're going to spend the next five years doing that. The world is changing too fast. So we have to be much more agile mentally than we've been in the past. So let's delve into a little bit about being agile mentally because you're talking about mindsets, not just skill sets and behaviors. How would I help a leader that I'm coaching build a situational mindset? Well, what we usually do is we have a short inventory that we ask people to take to just have them pick one task, focus on it, and then complete it. But you don't have to have the inventory, uh, unfortunately. There are other ways of tackling it. By asking somebody, what are your goals right now? You know, what is, keeps you awake at night? Uh, what metrics are you monitoring most closely? And you could talk to them about their current goal and then talk to them about the other areas that they may need to collect data on to make sure that they are focusing on the right priority. So it's, it's a discipline. Um, a skill set in the sense I have to practice it for 10,000 hours before I get good at it. Um, what we're saying is, <coughs> excuse me, take a look at these six areas. And I know as a leader, no leader can have all the right answers, but leaders can ask all the right questions and collect the information from the people in our organization. And of course, that would be also cross-functionally. Mm-hmm. So, if I have a challenge, and I'm thinking how we helped one of our clients walk through the question of, um, as they were looking at cutting costs, what areas do they look at? And they we walked them through, again, a, a different but conceptually similar model. And they were able to, because of the framework, think about how does this ripple through the organization and how will they have to behave differently? How will it impact their culture? Uh, Again, policies, um, positioning, how will it help them attract people or not? And their commitment was now when we have big decisions, we're going to run it through this kind of algorithm, although it's, it's not really an algorithm. And it sounds like, uh, your framework is very similar that when I have key decisions to make, I should be considering absolutely all of these and then updating my metrics to see if if we are getting the results that we were looking for. Uh, correct. I mean, I, no one can multitask. <clears throat> so we tend to focus too early. Um, mm. We tend to... Um, do sometimes what you know somebody who's highly respected in another field do. I mean, I call it the Jack Welch approach. Um, so what we're trying to say is collect the information in these six areas and then make a decision about your priorities. But also, after you make that decision, look at the ramifications carefully. If, For example, if I do lay off some people, mm-hmm. uh, I might impact my brand. Uh, I might impact... Uh, the ability in the future for me to attract new people. It may cost more to hire and train new people than to carry over folks. Are there Mm -hmm. other options than a layover? Can we ask for people who volunteer for a sabbatical unpaid? I mean, I I think that we come to decisions too quickly without considering all of the options and all of the ramifications. I absolutely agree. So we have about two minutes left in this segment. And again, I think we've hit on it uh, peripherally. But if I were a leader um, who is considering uh, buying your book and doing this work, what are the benefits I get and my organization gets from me adopting situational mindsets? I think one of the big ones is the reduction in unproductive conflict. It's Mm. interesting to me to see that a lot of conflict turns into uh, what I, I will call personal labeling. Uh, you have a, a, an intention to hurt my organization or to just help your career. And what the mindsets are doing with looking only at objective data is changing the, the progression of conflict. 
Um, you might want to go left. I might want to go right. I say, why do you want to go left? And you tell me, well, there's a roadblock ahead. I said, then I can understand. But I, I don't get to the point of making personal assumptions about why you're answering as you do. So this ability mm. to shortchange conflict, I think, is, is particularly uh, valuable. I think it's a great model to help a leader coach other people. What we found in our work is that leaders tend to coach in only one or two mindset areas. And when the world changes and, and that agility is required, some of that coaching has not been sufficient. So I think that's another real issue that's a benefit. And of course, avoiding the blind spots, uh, avoiding the fact that I made a bad decision and some of these bad decisions, whether that be a BlackBerry or a Polaroid or whatever else, can be quite devastating. So you know, making sure that we don't misstep and uh, make a huge um, mistake for our organization is important. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So as we're going into break, I encourage our listeners to think about those six situational mindsets that Mary has already mentioned. So I'm going to run down these quickly and I'm not going to get them exactly perfect, but new products and services, thinking about our market positioning, our organization. So macro organization structures and policies, process and quality improvement, people, culture, and retention, issues around learning from best practices and future thinking. And so are there any areas that you are, one, excel, and two, where do you fall short that you may want to be thinking about going forward? This is Maureen Metcalf and Mary Lippett, and we are talking about situational mindsets. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership. You're with Dr. Mary Lippitt and Maureen Metcalf. And we're talking about situational mindsets, targeting what matters when it matters. So, Mary, uh, you've in, uh, you've researched over six thousand leaders. You've written a, a high impact book. Can you tell us a little bit about your research and how you've laid it out in your book? Okay, thank you. Um, yes, what we found is that we have forty five percent of our respondents. are operating from one mindset. And again, the six mindsets are all equally good. Um, This is not a situation where your choice is, I contribute to charity or I abuse animals. All of the six are very solid choices as Mm -hmm. long as they're informed choices. So the the, um, 45% of our respondents are are using one, 31% use two, and 22% use three. So that's 98% of our respondents 
basically have made a choice. And what's interesting is that the choices seem to follow some interesting patterns by specialty. Um, not surprisingly, people in sales are more likely to be focused on customers. Uh, people in uh, strategic planning are more likely to be interested in the future. But we've also done some good analysis, in my opinion, uh, by gender and, and by other factors. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, men at the executive level are more interested in the quality improvement, process improvement, ROI area. Women in executive roles are more interested in creativity and innovation. And so we found that to be an interesting piece because it differs from the overall, if we look at all 6,000 respondents, uh, men are more in, uh, active in the inventing mindset and the women are more active in the developing, performing and catalyzing or the customer in policies and infrastructure and process improvement. So there's an interesting flip in women between uh, a lower level management and the executive levels, which I think is, would be fun to explore at some point. But the other thing that we have found is that these mindsets mirror the organizational life cycle. And, and so that's a whole different aspect. We have you know, team life cycles, but people don't normally think about the organizational life cycle. And so what I did in my book um, was talk, give a story about an organization where a woman comes in as a new vice president of sales, but her team basically applied for a job. She's a woman. They're not. There's a little dynamics there. And how she created that team to work together and change their sales practices to be more listening for, for the customer's mindset. And then she worked to reduce the silos in the organization. And then she actually, using mindsets, was able to turn the owner who had turned into a micromanager it, into uh, someone who, who would be more comprehensive in his approach. So we basically are talking about looking at um, the, the work world uh, rather than inside an individual and making sure that our analysis is both objective and comprehensive. So it, it sounds like using your story as an example, back to the comprehensive, that all of us have blind spots, as you've said, that using it again, a, a checklist is way too simplistic, but using it as a, a framework or a guide, it forces me as a leader to not only attend to the things that are, are comfortable and second nature to me, also it it creates the invitation to look at the areas that I may not attend to because they're not innate and in some cases not even comfortable. Yes, um, but I will say that we do encourage the use of a questionnaire checklist um, because it helps people recognize the questions that they may overlook. So we give it to organizations and we encourage them to tailor it because some of the terms might mm-hmm. refer to customer when it should be patient or taxpayer. Um, but we, we, this has become a cheat sheet uh, because we cannot, in our stressed out world, sit down quietly and do a, um, a personal assessment as effectively as maybe just being able to look at the question and say, I need this information, I need that information before I reach a decision, which also, by the way, encourages engagement. Um, I asking for information, I show the people I'm asking the information from respect, it gets them involved, capture their ideas. I mean, the payoff is, is substantial. Well, and one of the things that your framework does is it's based on solid research. So while it offers a check sheet, it, it does so against factors that have been proven significant to driving organizational success. Yes. Yeah, these are the six aspects of an organization or facets or or, um, these are the components that an organization has to balance because we can't do all six simultaneously. I think people sometimes try to multitask, um, but, you know, if we can't drive and text and be sufficient, we certainly can't address six mindsets. And, you know, there used to be something where somebody would say, I want things faster, cheaper, better. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, they're faster, they may not be better. They may not be cheaper. So when someone said, I wanted something faster, cheaper, or better, my response was, which one do you want first? Well, that's mm. a mindset. Which do you want to achieve first? But it's not permanent. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So this could change. So it sounds like if I were a member of a leadership team, would I have, you mentioned the salespeople are more likely to be looking at customers. My finance or QA person is more likely to be looking at process and quality. My HR person probably more innately looking at people and culture. Do we then say to make sure that everyone has a center of gravity they focus on and that as a team, we prioritize our goals? Yes. I actually worked with an executive team where there was a disagreement between the vice presidents and the president. One wanted to grow rapidly. The vice presidents wanted quality. And so they assumed, since it was a new vice, new president, that it was a personally oriented. But when they sat down, they said, okay, why do you want growth? And why do we need quality? Well, they, they were losing corporate accounts. If you're losing corporate accounts, you can't grow. You've got to first address the loss of the accounts. So just exchanging information. Why is that important to you? What information or data have you collected? It, it keeps everything at a very factual, objective, respectful approach, and it doesn't get into the fact, well, you got the job as president, and I didn't. All those kinds of things that could have happened. So having a mindset approach keeps things in a very productive uh, channel and helps people come to, to accept and commit, because we know that the success rate of change is miserable, yeah. and part of it's because people don't implement I actually had a client who said, I'm on the B team. I said, well, what's the B team? I be here when it starts. I be here when it ends and nothing's going to change. And, and wow. so some people just wait it out. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to get their active commitment, which means we have to identify the benefits, the goals, the accomplishments, the deliverables. Uh, and we could do that through a mindset approach. I worked with a different approach, and and I really love what you're talking about here. The idea that we're focusing on business results rather than personal. And I realize as humans, we live in bodies where we care about our own success and all of that stuff. So so I, I know we can't completely separate it. But when we're talking about data and what is the best approach for the enterprise, how do we meet our goals or missions it really does seem easier to make well-informed decisions and to talk about this is my agenda versus your agenda. So so the quality versus growth, that it gives us data to, to then add in our personal goals. Correct. Yes. Well said. I think this is one of the things about having the benefit of teaming. We've always talked about how wonderful teaming is. And part of that is because the team is going to bring multiple perspectives. You know, if everyone on my team thinks exactly like me, then, then we're wasting energy. I want people to have a variety of input. But, you know, in the past, the leader had to have, quote, the answer. And, mm-hmm. and what we're suggesting with situational mindsets is, and the dynamic world we live in, the world has gotten too complex for one leader to be able to collect all that information. And so I can rely on my team to help me analyze the situation. We could do that jointly. We can understand why one person wants one thing and one person the other. And frequently we can find win-win solutions. You know, it isn't an all-or-nothing world. It's, you know, mm-hmm. we, can, we can find creative ways of solving things, or we could just segue. Say, okay, we're going to do quality first. After we get that in line, we're going to go to growth. And then we can have people working together. So, Mary, if I run a team and I, I have corporate goals or organizational goals, do I then assess all of my team members to make sure I have each of the six mindsets covered? No, um, because what you're going to use is a checklist to make sure that everyone has covered, collected the information necessary. Okay. And, and a team could be biased in one mindset. But as long as they check the information, that we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if it's a cross-functional team, I'm more likely to have covered most of the mindsets. But if it's a sales team, I am likely to be biased toward the sales mindset. Correct. But I could then say, okay, if we're going to do this promotion, what does this mean for our operations schedule? What does this mean? Does, we, does this require overtime? 
is, is are we offering the most creative solution possible? Uh, what are the reward systems that we are offering if people get on board? There was a lovely article, you know, the folly of rewarding A when you want B. So if you're trying to sell a new product, but the commission structure hasn't been changed uh, to, to emphasize that new product, people won't sell it. So even if I want to focus on sales, I've got to look at all the mindsets and say, how, how can we make sure everything's aligned to accomplish the sales goal? It sounds like for any team, and we're talking about sales, so we'll, we'll use them as the example. It, it sounds like it's a great educational tool for any team to help them think about issues or opportunities systemically. Correct. It, it is very helpful, and it tells people what kind of information I want. I mean, one of my ways to succeed is to make sure that the person I work for, my manager, knows that I've done a good job. Well, if I if I understand what my manager is looking at and they lay out these six areas, I am a much better staffer to that person. And, mm-hmm. and so everything, everything, it's all positive outcomes. And, and again, without the labels of stereotypes, whether that be any you know any of the traditional age, gender uh, kinds of mm-hmm. stereotypes we put on people. Now, I can see where, given what you said about gender, that that it helps me capture, if I don't have the the best gender composition for, for any number of reasons that we don't need to talk about now, I can ensure that I have the, the mindset that would be most embodied in that gender. Well, either that or I could make sure that when I look at the applicants, I'm looking at them and how they contribute to all the mindsets. So instead of saying my mindset right now is ROI, so I'm going to promote somebody who has an ROI mindset, um, that may not be giving me the breadth that mm. I need. So can that person with, with the ROI mindset that I might be promoting, has that person shown the mental flexibility to adjust to different situations? Nice, nice. So how does this help leaders gain support? Well, it's interesting that you asked the question um, because what's happened historically is that a leader comes up with one goal and we're going to have this change initiative and we come up with taglines and we come up with, you know, banners in the cafeteria or on on our badges and it's one benefit and we're trying to convince a whole large group to support this one benefit and what I have to recognize in a large audience they're going to have all six mindsets as being their priority. So I have to be able to communicate how this change initiative or plan benefits all aspects, not just one aspect of the organization. So, you know, we have to make sure that we talk about, you know, uh, how does this impact the staff? How does this impact um, our competition? How does this impact our, our customers? Is it meeting customer needs? How is this aligning with the trends that we're seeing? Uh, if we don't talk about things, I mean, we've gotten the assumption that if I just keep repeating something long enough, people will buy in. It doesn't work that way. So if I'm not hearing what I need, then I am, I am going to discount what I hear from the leader. I will either discount it or I won't fully commit. I'll be a passive person. And again, the communication practices have been one way. Um, And one of the the things that a leader can easily do is say, here's a plan I'm thinking we would like to implement. What are your concerns? Mm. Here, all the concerns come back and you can address them. But leaders have been this tendency to push uh, an idea rather than to actually work with the audience just to create a win-win situation. Mm -hmm. So as we get ready for break, then I encourage our listeners to think about how are you, what's the composition of your teams, and are you ensuring that you're gaining the insight from each of the six perspectives, even if those insights may not be innate to any individual participant. This is Maureen Metcalf and Dr. Mary Lippitt, and we are talking about situational mindsets targeting what matters when it matters. 
Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership. You are with Dr. Mary Lippitt and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about situational mindsets, targeting what matters when it matters. During the break, we were talking about uh, my terminology. So, Mary, can you share what you uh, suggested to me about inherent or innate? Again, I, I think that we tend to think about leaders as having either a gift or for something or not a gift. Um, we, we tend to think about you know, leaders being geniuses or uh, visionary or some other kind of descriptors. And what this mind, mindset approach is doing is, is getting rid of anything permanent. So I, I rarely don't normally think about um, protecting myself from viruses. That's not one of my key <laughs> areas of concern. Uh, but in this situation, I can flex, I can move, I can make adjustments based on, based on what I need. And I sometimes tell people, again, when we were able to do things on weekends, if I gave you $5 million, would you do something different in your weekend plans? And most people will say yes, because I've got $5 million, I could do more things. So we really do adapt to the situation, but our leadership models have all been permanent. I should always be a participative leader, or I should always be a team player, or I should always be visionary or strategic. And I'm not saying those are all good, and those are good ways to aspire. But mindsets are not an aspiration that we have to achieve. It's a piece of data we have to ask for. So it's a discipline or a practice rather than a style or a trait or a competency. So I think this is a huge jump for people. Um, I do teach in the MBA program. I ask my students to take the situational mindset indicator for the first semester because I'm talking about managing change. And again, they tend to think about, oh, you have to be charismatic to manage change. No, some of our most successful CEOs are introverts, but they know how to get people's active support. And so this is a very wide diversion, I guess, from the normal way we look at leadership it has nothing to do with whether I'm a rocket scientist or whether I have a, a member in Mensa. Uh, I worked with a call center in an insurance company and we looked at the questions they were asking. We were looking at the ones they weren't asking, which meant people call back two and three times. So it's a matter of being practical, looking at the questions that I need to address, the data I need to collect or share and how we can get people 
to agree that this is the most important thing to do right now. And, and that's a very different aspect than trying to make a, uh, an introvert into an extrovert or extrovert into something else. I mean, I can change because the situation changes. I mean, the oldest example in the world is I pay to go to a play. I'm sitting in a theater. The theater catches fire. I don't sit there and say, I paid hundreds of dollars to see this Broadway play. I leave. And the right. people that are leaving are not just the extroverts or the thinkers or the feelers or the controllers or the influencer. Everyone is leaving because of the situation. And that's a big, again, major shift from the way we've normally thought about leadership. I think that's really important. And again, um, amidst the pandemic, something we haven't had in our, for any of us alive and working, I think we have not seen this level of health-related scare and, and the spread because of travel now. So situational mindset makes perfect sense that what I faced last month is different than what I face now and will be different again, we hope, next month. Yes, wonderful. You know, the, the point is right now, in our stage of the virus, we're talking about testing uh, and we're beginning to talk about ventilators. Pretty soon we're going to be talking about something else because mm-hmm. the situation evolves and I need to evolve to meet the changing conditions. And, and this, again, I, I will just suggest to you is nothing connected um, to my functional uh, uh, predisposition, maybe. Because okay. I, I, I bet in sales, I don't commissions count and customers count. So I keep doing that. It becomes a habit. It, uh, and it's a safe habit because the past practice has been rewarded. But it's also dangerous. And, and I, I mentioned, you know, a Polaroid who, or, or, or a Blackberry, you know, they kept doing what they've always done. There's a quote from Will Rogers saying, if you keep doing what, even if you're on the right track, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get run over you know, with a railroad kind of concept. And so mm. this is very different. It's asking people to, to be mentally agile, to adapt rather than to be safe. Now, again, many decisions, you can keep doing what you've always done. But when we're facing dynamic, complex, precedent-setting, ambiguous situations, we really need to use the mindsets to make sure we've grasped the entirety of, of Uh, the data and our options. And this is a way to identify new alternatives. So this is the perfect lead-in then to how do we make this practical for our listeners? And so let's move to the situational mindset checklist. How does it help me make the right call? And more specifically, let's give our listeners some things that they can do today when they get done listening to this podcast. Well, um, I would offer... A couple of things, just generally. Um, I would ask them, when was the last time that you asked your colleagues, what did we learn from our mistakes? What are we doing that we should not do? Uh, What should we start doing that we're not doing? What should we do more often or less often? You know, we can ask these general questions. We really don't use the power of questions as often as we should. So there's some very general ones that we could ask. Again, as a consultant, I'm sure you've had this experience too. You, you go in and you meet a client. They tell you, I want to investigate this area. Please you know, come back with a report. And you go out and you start collecting data. But when you talk to the people, they already have some wonderful ideas that never made it to the top. And so you become a bridge, which is great. But in reality, that leader should have been crossing that bridge himself or herself you know it's been it's interesting as a consultant occasionally we hear when you gave a report back this was the stuff we've been talking about and then the challenge is for it sounds like for leaders using the situational mindsets they may not need us they may be gathering this themselves correct i mean and it depends on your philosophy my philosophy of consulting is to help the my client be independent of me. Uh, I want to leave something behind. I want to be able to show that I had impact that was lasting. So that's part of my philosophy of consulting. 
um, that I need to help them understand how they can do the work that I did. Yeah, and and just to echo that, by leaving behind the frameworks, and often I, I hear, you know, frameworks are too academic, but leaving behind the frameworks, you give the tools to people working with you so that they can do this without you. Correct. And I use the word framework, too, and I think for some people, as you mentioned, it sounds like theory, which is ivory tower. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reason I used the term checklist because that is so much more tangible. It becomes a tool. And and that's what my goal is, to give people a tool to ask the questions so they don't get blindsided by events. Um, And I think we can can do that. Um, Again, you know, if if you're taking a look at at, at customer focus, say, you know, what are the new customer requirements? What are they talking about? What are the kinds of things that, that the customers uh, are, are doing strategically? Um, what are the kinds of customer service that's the most rewarding? Uh, who are our key customers? Are they costing us more than they should? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. list of questions we could start asking under each mindset that would trigger thinking, trigger data collection, and that data collection then can be analyzed and they can make the right call at the right time for the right results. And I- I assume your book gives that list of questions. It does. Because as I'm thinking, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about a call I had with a client just an hour ago, where again, in the context of the COVID-19 virus, as they look at their current customers, certainly what do they need, but many of their current customers will not be buying from them over the next one to two quarters. So then the question is, who fills the gaps? Who out there needs us now that did not need us before because the people who needed us before don't need us now? And that's so good. Yeah, it's a great example. I would like to mention one thing that was sort of interesting. Um, When I talked about people and talent, uh, which I call the performing mindset, what's really interesting is HR is usually slotted in that mindset. And what our data shows is that HR usually is not in that mindset. They're in the mindset of saying, what can we do differently? What do we need to introduce? What are the trends that we need to capture? What, what are the um, mm. best practices we need to institutionalize? And so it's really interesting, a diversion from what the stereotype of HR is to where they are in the mindset. So Mary, in your books, you've mentioned several times different groups uh, fall into different mindsets than we might assume. Is that spelled out in the book or is that just information you know because you're one of the research, because you're the primary researcher? I did not spell it out in the book. I, I was trying to make the book more of a, a practical tool. So it looks like we've got about four minutes till we close. Can you, for our listeners, in, in the next two minutes, let's again focus on what do you want them to take away that they can use today, tomorrow, next week, as we are still focusing on one of the biggest shocks to our social structure, economic structure, and family lives? What I would encourage your listeners to take away from our discussion and this current crisis is the need for flexibility and to collect information on all aspects of a situation it's not just a medical situation. I mean, it's interesting to me to hear that they think about invoking the National Guard's medical people. Well, the National Guard's medical people are part-time. So if you take them and make them National Guard people, you're still taking them away from the their normal jobs, which probably could be in hospitals. So we really need to do a better job of comprehensively assessing um, the ramifications and, and look at things not just from what we've done in the past and what we need to do in the present, but the ramifications for the future. There was a talk about giving in, um, the taxpayers uh, a $1,000 uh, payment. Okay, but that's okay. It sounds good. How, many, how long will that last? So you know, it's nice to announce it and it's encouraging, but you know, what are the ramifications long term? So I really would like people to think about data collection as a separate part of leadership from the personality, the skill sets, and the IQ, or the emotional intelligence aspects, and look at the need for talking objectively 
about all aspects of the, our environment. Um, there's, there's a gentleman named D. Hawk, and he, there's a quote that he has that I, I like. He said, the problem is never how to get new innovative thoughts into our minds. The problem is how to get the old ones out. And what I'm hoping is that the mindset approach is a good way to talk to people and look at new alternatives and ways, new ways to, to, to work together, engage people, respect people, make sure that you're looking at a systemic uh, perspective and so that we get things right the first time because the cost of our errors is just too big to, to make a lot of danger. That's a beautiful closing to the conversation. So, so to summarize then, leaders must be updating their knowledge their knowledge of their circumstances since the world is changing at such a rapid pace that past practices can become obsolete or ineffective immediately. And in, in the cases and examples you're giving, we just didn't have to think about those levels uh, of implications because we weren't in a situation that required it. So leaders must be constantly monitoring, analyzing, and adopting to the changing environment. Mary, in 30 seconds, can you give us contact information where our listeners can read read more about your work? Well, my, my website is at um, www.enterprisemgt.com. EnterpriseMGT.com. Yes, and the book is available. Uh, Situational Mindsets is available at Amazon. Great. Thank you so much, Mary, for sharing your wisdom with us. And to our listeners, we, we encourage you to learn more about Situational Mindsets and come back and join us for another podcast. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening today. And finding ways that you can employ situational mindsets. We would love to hear your feedback. I can be reached at info at innovateleader.com or on LinkedIn or Facebook, either Maureen Metcalf or Innovating Leadership. We'd love to hear your feedback and rate us on your favorite podcast provider. We encourage you to join us again soon. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.